praises that we breathe. And you alone deserve the honor and all the power. That is why all your children sing. We sing worthy. stand. Let's let our men that will come and just gather around the altar. And that's why we're here to worship the Lord. Amen. My heart has already been blessed. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we do come today to just let you draw us to yourself. We do come today to open our hearts to you, to be open to you, to be receptive to you. 
that you would speak to our hearts and work in our hearts so you know every need. Now bless today and just magnify the precious name of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Well, of course, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Turn around and shake hands and fellowship one with another. Greet our visitors today.
While they play through the course, get you a songbook. Turn on page number 550. Don't quit shaking hands now. Just continue fellowshipping. Page 550, he lives. Senator Usher has come forward to receive her offering, and I say it's a joy to have those that are visiting with us today, and if you are visiting with us and have never filled out a visitor's card or visitor registration card, we would appreciate so much if you would do that for us today. If you were given a bulletin this morning, there's a little tear-off tab in there. If not, there are visitor's cards located in the back of the pews, but we'd like to uh, get better acquainted with you, and we'd like for you to get better acquainted with us, and we'd like to send you some information this week. So if you'll do that for us, we'd appreciate it so much. You give today and be faithful in your giving. And let me just make mention now just one thing, a couple things, coming up the last Sunday of this month. We began our spring revival Sunday morning through Wednesday night. Brother Wilbur Hurt from Indianapolis, Indiana, will be with us again this year. So I want you to mark your calendar and make plans to be with us for our spring meeting. That's the last Sunday of March, going through Wednesday night of that week. So put that down. I'm letting you know plenty enough time in advance so you don't have anything scheduled. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so uh, mark that the last Sunday of March. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you're doing, and we ask you to meet every need and touch in every heart. Keep on working in our hearts this morning. Thank you for how you've already warmed our hearts, and let us just worship you. Bless our giving now, and may it be an action, expression of our worship in Jesus' name. Amen.
When I look at my life, I just can't believe how God's been so good to a sinner like me. But when God looks at me, He looks past my mistakes and through a trophy of grace. I'm a trophy of grace, a masterpiece of mercy. Nothing I've done could deserve His great love. I will
relationship that he has for us. You see, I really have no selfish motive this time. I just wanted to thank him and praise him. 
what he's done for all of the other times that I've needed him. And he's given me grace and mercy and love far more than I ever deserve. I just came to talk with you, if we feel like it's what the Lord would have us do this morning. I know Ronnie sang like Sunday, it doesn't matter. But we're going to ask him to sing, Oh, what a Savior this morning. Two weeks ago, I celebrated 50 years that I've been walking with the Lord. It hasn't always been easy. But the Lord has blessed me like like nobody else. He's been so good to me. And I can't help but ask why. And there's no earthly reason why he would reach down to an old garbage can like this and pick me up and clean me up and through his marvelous grace and through his mercy, give me a home in heaven and an eternal place before the throne. Once I was straying in sin's dark valley no hope within could I see but they searched through heaven and found a Savior to save a poor lost soul like me. hands were nailed 
even me. That's cool, chilly water. I'll soon be crossing, but his hand will lead me. If you will, go to another song, please. One we used to do a long time ago. Hallelujah. We won't do it. We'll go back to old water Savior. I'm not such a fool that I don't do what the Lord tells me to do. He tells me not to do that right now. Hallelujah. That's cool. Chilly water, I'll soon be crossing, but his hand will lead me safe. I'll join that chorus in that. Thank you. 
praise his holy name. Why would he choose such a lonely road that led to Calvary? And why would he bear such a heavy load and carry my cross for me? Why would he wear the crown of thorns with an old rusty nail in each hand and suffer my shame and bear my pain before my life began? So I could live in heaven, so I could be set free, so I could know that he loves me so, he gave his life for me. The angel stood with folded wings Watching a lonely hill Where Jesus hung on a cruel cross And even the leaves stood still had he but asked of God that day, the nails would have all been removed. But the Savior stayed and even prayed, Lord, they know not what they do. So I could live in heaven So I could be set free So I would know that he loves me so He gave his life for me so I could know that he loved me so. He gave his life for me. Let's all stand, if you would, and while you're standing, be getting your Bibles and finding the book of Luke chapter 22. We'll be turning there in just a moment. Luke chapter 22. You know, there are times when I come to church that I just, just like to just sit back and just soak in and just worship and just let the Lord just remind me of His goodness and all of His love and this morning has been one of those mornings, and 
my heart, I don't know about yours, but my heart has been blessed and my heart has been touched and ministered to. God is good. Do you believe that? Amen. And He's faithful and He is gracious to us. I want you to look in Luke 22, beginning in verse 54, and I want us this morning to look at three fires in Peter's life. I'll have you turn to two other passages of Scripture this morning, but I want us to look at these verses today in Luke 22, and we find the first of three fires that are connected to the life of Simon Peter, and I want us to focus upon them for just a little while this morning. Luke 22, beginning in verse 54. The Bible said, Then took they him, and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I'm not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray. You see reference to a fire. There are three particular fires in Peter's life that I think we can tie together this morning to give us a wonderful thought. And I believe it will be a blessing to some today. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we are amazed at anything you do in our life. We are mindful this morning that any act of you in our direction is nothing but the grace of God. And Lord, we come today thanking you for all you've done. My heart has been warned. My heart has been ministered to. You have made Jesus real to my heart this morning, and I thank you so much for it. Now, you know the needs in this building. Thank you for those that have already found help. And thank you, Lord, for those who have already been ministered to throughout the service. But we ask you, Lord, to continue to minister to hearts and continue to work in hearts and continue to meet needs. Take the life of Simon Peter and even the mistake that Simon Peter made and use it to minister to all of our hearts this day. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. I wonder this morning as I look around at this fine Sunday morning crowd, I wonder today how many of you have ever made a mistake? Would you lift your hand high? I see the majority of you have. I saw about maybe 20 or 30 that has never made a mistake. And we're glad you're here. You help our reputation. Amen. But the truth of the matter is we all have made mistakes. I think about a lady by the name of Nasheeth Parika of the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. She put out a, an unusual little book. It was a book, actually, that was a collection of excuses that parents had sent to school for their children. And you teachers will appreciate these. But she collected all of these, and they were excuses parents had sent to the school uh, for the absences of their children. But they had some kind 
of spelling error in them or grammatical error. For example, one parent sent a note to school that said, My son is under a doctor's care and should not take P.E. Please execute him. Say amen right there. <laughs> one sent a note that said, Please excuse Lisa for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. Another said, please excuse Roland from P.E. for a few days. Yesterday he fell out of a tree and misplaced his hip. Another said, John has been absent because he had two teeth taken out of his face. Now, he needed to be excused. Chris will not be in school today because he has an acre in his side. Please excuse Ray Friday from school. He has very loose Vowels. And please excuse Tommy from being absent yesterday. And he had diarrhea and his boots leak. Please excuse Jennifer. Not like this one here. It says, please excuse Jennifer for missing school yesterday. We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the porch, and when we found it Monday, we thought it was Sunday. That's, those are actual excuses. Someone else wrote a little book of collections of mistakes that were actually <clears throat> church announcements. And there are many of these, but i just give you a few. It says, Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer, and medication to follow. <laughs> Someone said the flowers on the altar this morning is to announce the birth of David Allen Belzer, the sin of Reverend and Mrs. Julius Belzer. <laughs> I like this one, and I'll go on. He said, at the evening service, the sermon topic will be, What is hell? Come early and hear our choir practice. I've heard a few of them like that. <clears throat> I could go on and on. But I'm aware this morning that, unfortunately, that not all of our mistakes are a spelling error. And I'm aware this morning that not all of our mistakes are a grammatical error. There are some mistakes that we make in life that do not cause us to laugh. There are a lot of mistakes that we make in life that cause us to cry. I think about Simon Peter. We read just a moment ago from the text here a mistake or a failure in Simon Peter's life. And as I mentioned a moment ago, there are three fires that I find in Simon Peter's life, and I believe that we can tie these three fires together. I want you to look at our text this morning that we read just a moment ago, and I want to point out the first fire, and I want to call this the fire of failure. Again, when you look in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62, we see a man that had been the follower of Jesus Christ. This is a man that was a disciple. And we are very familiar with what happened in Simon Peter's life. We are very familiar with his failure. We see in verse 55 and verse 56 that his failure occurred around a fire. Verse 55 said, And when they had kindled a fire. And then in verse 60, 56, And a certain maid beheld him, as he sat by the fire, and he earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also among him. Here is a fire of failure. Now, when I think about this fire of failure, I think of two things about this act of failure, or this sin in Simon Peter's life. For one thing, <clears throat> I think about the previous declaration of Simon Peter. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, in verse 31 through verse 35, and we'll not turn there, 
for the sake of time. But you find Jesus talking to his disciples. And Jesus made the statement there that all men would be offended at him before that night was over. And I remember how Peter responded. Peter said, oh, no, no, not me. I will never be offended in thee. And the word offended that Jesus used there is a word that means to stumble or to trip. And what Jesus was saying, and Jesus knew that even though over the past couple of years he had been trying to introduce what was going to happen in the next few hours to his disciples, they had never really truly comprehended that he was going to die. He had somehow in many different ways had told them that he would die, but they never really fully comprehended that. And Jesus knew that what was about to happen would shatter their little world. And Jesus knew that what was about to happen that night would knock the pillars completely out from under them. And he said, tonight, what is going to happen is going to cause many of you to stumble. And Simon Peter says, no, no, not me. I will never be offended. I will never stumble. And Jesus then pointed his conversation directly at Peter. And he said, Peter, tonight you will deny me. Before the cock crow three times, you will deny me. And the word deny that Jesus used there is a word that means to deny utterly. It means to disown someone. And Jesus said, Peter, before this night is out, you're going to utterly deny me. You will even disown me. And Peter says, no, no, not me. And he said, in effect, in Matthew 26, if everybody else is offended at you, I will not be offended at you. And if everybody else denies you, you can count on me. I will not will not deny you. You see, Peter is making this statement in a very bold statement. Lord, I'll not let you down. And I think sometimes we feel that way and we have that way of thinking that is that, Lord, I'll serve you and I will never fail you and I will never make a mistake in in my life. And I think what the Bible said, the Bible tells us that kind of attitude is a very dangerous attitude. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. But Peter had the attitude and he said, Lord, and he even boasted of the matter, I will never fail thee, I will never deny thee. The previous declaration of Peter, but now you come to our text and you find the present denial of Peter. Just a few hours after Peter had so boldly and boastfully said, I will never be offended, I will never deny thee, we find him in verses 54 through 62 doing the very thing he said he would not do. And we find him denying the Lord. And we find him that on three different occasions, he denied the Lord. You read in Matthew 26 and verse 74, Matthew and also in the book of Mark, it tells us that he even began to curse and swear and say, I know not the man. And the word curse that Matthew uses is a word that speaks of a very intense matter. And we would say it in these days that he began to cuss like a sailor. Here is a man that just a few hours before had said, Lord, though everybody else stumbles or is offended, I will not be offended. Though everybody else denies you, I will not deny you. But someone said, I saw you with Jesus. He said, man, I don't don't even know what you're talking about. And another said, you were with him. Man, you don't know what you're talking about. And then a third one said, I am absolutely certain you're a Galilean. I saw you with Jesus. And Matthew said he began to cuss like a sailor and to deny that he even knew who he was. He did the very thing that Jesus said he would. You find him turning from the Lord. Like one writer said, H.H. Hargrove, 
How could it be that a life which shone in noonday brightness so soon descended to midnight blackness? How could the man of steel become a rope of sand? How could the mountain man become a molehill man? And how could the giant become a pygmy? How? There are many reasons we could suggest. For one thing, verse 54, he followed afar off. And we find ourselves getting further and further away from the Lord. We're always prone to fall. You find in verse 55 that he warmed himself at the enemy's fire. L.R. Scarborough used to call it, or used to say of it, that Peter warmed his hands at the devil's fire. He found himself with the wrong ones and with the wrong crowd. But here is the, here's the point that I want to emphasize. Here is a man that had walked with God, now fails God. It is very possible that as we gather in this room today, there are some of you that have failed God. It may be there are some of you that one time lived for God and one time served God and you loved God. You were faithful to the house of God. You were faithful to church. You were in Sunday school. You served God. You lived for God. You honored God in your life. But somewhere you made a mistake. Somewhere you failed God. And you may not even be in church today. Maybe you're just visiting today. Maybe there's some here today that are haunted and tra tra troubled by some sin in your life and some failure in your life. You have failed God. I think about the song, Come Thou Fount. And Robert Robinson in that one stanza says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And there is a tendency in us to fail and to wonder from God. But Peter failed God. Peter found himself away from God. Peter found himself disowning his Lord. It is a fire of failure. Now mark your place and look in John chapter 21. I quickly hasten to the second fire that I find in Peter's life. The first fire is a fire of failure. But the second fire that I find in Peter's life, I call the fire of forgiveness. I want you to listen to me today. We fail God in our life and we make mistakes in our life, but aren't you glad that God is a forgiving God? Amen. We may find ourselves wandering from God and we may find ourselves out in sin, but it's a joy to know that He is a forgiving God. Look in John 21 beginning in verse 1. The Bible said, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto him, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon, as, then, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up, and drew the net to land. But you notice there in verse 9, 
They saw a fire of coals there. You see, there was a fire of failure. A fire that Peter set around in which he denied the Lord. But now we find a fire in which Peter finds forgiveness. I look at the story and I think, first of all, the guilt that troubled Simon Peter. You see in verse 3 in John 21, Peter said, I go fishing. And that statement there is not a man saying, I've had a rough day and I'm just going to get out for a little while and I'm going to go fishing. That's not what Simon Peter was saying. It's not that I'm getting my Paul running down to the pond for just a little while and just rear back and relax. That's not what Simon Peter was saying. Peter was saying, I am going back to my old profession. He had been a fisherman by trade. And when Jesus had found him, he was a fisherman. And now Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old occupation. I'm going back to my old trade. It's almost like you can read in those words Peter saying, I've really blowed it my life. I have really blown my life. Here I was, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here I was serving God and honoring God, but I really messed my life up big time. He's a man so full of guilt. He's so full of the inner agony of his own heart of how he failed God and how he'd broken the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe somewhere you made a mistake. Maybe somewhere you got away from God. You may be out in sin today and your heart is so full of guilt, troubled by that guilt for what you have done. There is the guilt that troubled Simon Peter. But I point out something else, and blessed be God, there is the grace that touched Simon Peter. I think about Ivor Powell. Bless his memory. I think about him so often. He said the breakfast on the beach was destined to become immortal in the memory of Simon Peter, and it was. For you find Simon Peter on this day, he says, I'm giving it up. I'm no longer a disciple. God will never have anything to do with my life again. He'll never use me again. I'm a hopeless, crippled, used to be. But then he found Jesus on the shore. And you know what Jesus did? He built a little fire. And I think it is so interesting, this fire that Jesus built. And everything that Jesus did just stung the conscience of Simon Peter. For example, you see the word fire? It is interesting that the word is only used in the New Testament when it speaks of the fire that Peter was around. It is a word that describes the fire that Peter warmed himself at in Luke 22. It is a word used here when Simon Peter, when Jesus builds a little fire. It is only used in relation to Simon Peter. Couldn't you imagine? When he sets down, Jesus builds that little fire. Then Peter looks in that fire and his mind goes back to that courtyard that night. And he remembers that fellow sitting over there saying, Aren't you a disciple? No, man, not me. Not me. And as he looks in the fire and as Jesus stirs the coals, maybe with a stick, and kind of stirs those coals, he remembers that night when three times he said no. You see, Jesus not only built a little fire, but he took fish. And there's something interesting about the word fish that is used here. It is only used in John's gospel. And it is only used when he talked about the two little fish that Jesus took and he fed the multitude with and the fish that he fried here or prepared for Simon Peter. It's like when Jesus built a fire, he was reminding Peter of what he had done. And when Jesus prepared those two little fish, it's like he was reminding Simon Peter of how it used to be. Simon, do you remember when we used to walk together in fellowship? 
when you saw my power and you walked with me and you saw what I could do in your life and do with your life. That fire reminded him what he had done. The fish reminded him of what he had lost and how it used to be. He's so probed and so pricked by everything that Jesus did. But you look in verse 12. Jesus said, come and dine. Now, can you imagine what those words must have meant to Peter? A man that felt like he had failed God, a man that was giving up the ministry because he felt like there was no use going on. Jesus wouldn't want to have anything to do with him anyway. And now here comes Jesus and he comes and he says to Simon Peter, I want you to come and dine. You know what those words must have meant to Simon Peter? You know what must have went off in Simon Peter's heart? He wants to talk with me. He wants to sit down with me. He still wants to have something to do with me. What's going on here? It is a story of the amazing grace of God. Now listen to me. We do fail God. And sometimes our failures have greater consequences than others. But I want you to know there is a God in heaven that forgiveth of sin and it matters not who you are or what you have done. He will cleanse of all sin. And there is nobody he'll ever turn his back on. Nobody he will ever shun. Nobody he pushes away. He says to every one of us, come and dine. Aren't you glad for that? I read about a fellow, a widow, widow man who was traveling in another country and he met this maiden, maiden lady. And, and when he got back to the States, he sent her a telegram or sent her a letter and asked her to marry him. And she went down to the, when she got the letter, she went down to the telegraph office and she said, how much does it cost to send a telegraph? And the man said, nine pence for 12 words. And this is the telegram she sent back. Yes, 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 yes. And when I think about Jesus, someone says, do you mean, Brother Ken, are you serious? Do you really believe, do you really mean after what I have done that Jesus still is interested in me? Do you really mean, Brother Trivet, after the way I have lived and what I have done, that he still wants me? I say, yes, 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 yes. I don't care who you are, what you've done. Jesus says, come and dine. There is the grace that touches him. Aren't you glad for his grace? Let me hasten on. I've only got a few more minutes. Look at the fire of fruitfulness found in the book of Acts chapter 2. In, Acts, in Luke 22, there's a fire of failure. In the book of John 21, there is a fire of forgiveness. But listen, I won't, I've got good news for you. He'll not only forgive you, you say, boy, I blowed it. I've got good news for you. Not only will you find grace, not only will he say, come and dine, but I've got good news for what he'll do with your life in the days to come. Look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Now there was a fire that he failed, a fire of failure. He was sitting around a fire when he denied the Lord. It was around a fire that he found grace from the Lord. 
But there was another fire in his life, a fire not only that he warmed himself at the devil's fire, fed himself at the master's fire, but he was later touched by the Holy Ghost fire. Now listen to me. I think of, a famous, I think of the famous novelist A. J. Cronin, who in his earlier years was a doctor in England. And he was charge of a hospital in a little town in England. And on one particular day, there's this little six-year-old boy that was brought in that was choking to death. And Dr. knew that the only way he could save the little boy was by doing a trach. He had never done one before, but he knew it was the only way that he could save the little boy. And so he performed an emergency trach on that little boy, cut an incision in his windpipe. His assistant was a young nurse who had just received her degree. But he cut that incision in the little boy's windpipe, inserted the tube in there, and the boy began to breathe normal again. Well, in the middle of the night, Dr. Cronin was awakened by someone beating on his door. When he opened the door, it was the assistant that had been at his side during the surgery. And he had, the doctor had put her, assigned her to stay with the little boy and to watch the little boy so that his tube would not become blocked and so he could continue to breathe. But the nurse had fell asleep and the tube had become blocked and the little boy had died. And when Dr. Cronin heard it, he blew up. He swore, he looked and, he, and he, he swore that she had paid for a mistake. And he's going to report her for her negligence. He just became so angry, exploded. He later called her in, read his report, and then said, Do you have anything to say? And she looked at me and she said, Please, sir, give me another chance. Give me another chance. And he said, but your mistake cost a life. There is no other chance. Please, sir, give me another chance. No, you must pay. That night, Dr. Cronin could not sleep. His words kept ringing in her ears. Please, sir, give me another chance. Please, sir, give me another chance. Please, sir, give me another chance. The next day, Dr. Cronin called the nurse back in, gave her another chance. And it paid off because in the years to come, she became the head of a children's hospital in England and was loved all over the country for her care for boys and girls. Are you listening to me this morning? I want to tell you something about your God. He is a God of a second chance. Amen. You remember in Jonah 1? The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, Arise! What did Jonah do? He did like what we often do. No. That doesn't meet my plans. And so he rebelled against God. And he had a vacation in the Walladay Inn, the Welladay Inn. You know how that goes. But I like Jonah 3 verse 1. Jonah 1 verse 1 said, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah and he disobeyed. But Jonah 3 1 says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. He is a second chance God. He's a second chance God. Maybe you didn't blow it. Maybe, did you, maybe you did make a mistake. But God forgiveth the sin and God will give you a second chance and God will take your life and do something with it for the glory of God. Look in Acts chapter 2 and I'm about through. You see, for one, for one thing, you see Peter the anointed. Acts chapter 2, you find in verse 3 there, there's another fire. There appeared unto them cloven, that is, parted, different 
tongues. And the word tongues, languages, like as a fire. But I want you to look down here in verse 14. Now here's a fella that about 50 days ago had said, I don't even know him. But verse 14, but Peter. <laughs> I like that, don't you? Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in here he is. Fifty days ago, he had said, I don't even know him. Fifty days ago, he was ready to quit the ministry because he felt like God no longer would have any plan for his life. Now here he is on one of the greatest days in history, and he's preaching. Look down in verse 38. How did he do? Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, and he gave an invitation, said, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls here's a man 50 days ago thought that he had blew it had wasted his life and now he preaches and when they gives an invitation 3,000 get born again God uses him he is Peter the anointed and one more thought there is Peter the author how many of you have ever read the book of first and second Peter you know those were written by a man that was a failure those two books were written by a man that disowned his Lord. Those two books by the Spirit of God were written by a man who said, I don't even know him. But aren't you glad he's a God of a second chance? Aren't you glad that God doesn't throw us aside? That God doesn't say, one chance is all you get. Sorry, you blew it. No, thanks be to God, he reaches down. And if we'll come to him, he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. And yes, there may be some consequences in the days to come, but he'll give us a new life and he'll use us for his honor and glory. He is a God of a second chance. Let's stand our feet, please. Three fires in his life. At one fire, he failed. At the other fire, he found grace. At the next fire, he is used of God for the glory of God. Could there be those in this room today that are saved, but you're not where you ought to be with God? You once lived for God and once served God, but somewhere you got away from God. I'm going to tell you something today. There is a Savior that is saying to you today, come and dine. There is a Savior today that says to you, come and dine. He is interested in your life. He is wanting to bless your life. He's wanting to use you for His honor and glory. He can put you in a Pentecostal scene. He can take you and do something with your life. Brian, pray with Tony. Bless you, Tony. I'm praying for you. And others, God, give you a second chance. Will you come? Father, this morning in Jesus' name, as we look to you this morning, you are a God that forgives us sin. You are a God that will restore us do something with our life and make something with our life. Our fathers, we look to you this morning. I pray today, God, to deal with hearts. Bring people to Jesus.
Bring people to Jesus. Let someone today find help and hope again. For those who feel like they have lost it and that you have no interest in their life, may they realize that there is forgiveness and grace and that God, you'll take our lives and use us. I pray, blessed Spirit of God, move in this service in the name of Jesus. We pray and ask these things. Amen.